Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of Soccer New Brock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! FA Cup action, leagues big and small from around the world. If a match is important where it's being played, if it's high stakes right there, it is on our radar. Now this week, we're going to preview matches Friday through Thursday as always, this time from uh, September 16 through 22. Now, before we start that, I want to update you following last week's big personal announcement that I made, which is that despite being a noob, I've gotten a soccer gig. I'm going to be basically the sole international journo for the Isle of Sodor Premier League. Obviously not a very big league. It's not even, you know, uh, you know, connected to England in any way, but still I'm actually going to be getting a stipend and I'm actually going to be working in soccer. Now, just a little bit about the league. They actually played a season a few years ago. It was the first time ever organized under an actual nationwide football association. And then of course, COVID happened. And so they've been off. I'm really happy to be a part of it now that they're going to be uh, reconvening and playing again. Now, this week, the games didn't start. Instead, this week, uh, they had a big organizational dinner party in the Capitol with uh, the FA folk and some other distinguished guests. My favorite was uh, the keynote speaker. They brought in Premier League famous referee Mike Dean. He's actually, I don't think he has any like personal, like familial connection to Sodor, but it turns out he's just a big fan in general. I think he actually agreed to uh, come and to speak so he could do some uh, dancing, show off some of his moves. Uh, if you're not familiar with Mike Dean, true, he is a former competitive ballroom dancer. He's got a little flair when he referees as well, for better or for worse. Typical rubber chicken, to be perfectly honest, on the entree, but I wasn't going to miss this for the world because everything tastes better when it's washed down with the local raspberry vermouth. It's kind of the unofficial uh, alcoholic beverage of the entire country. It was so smooth. Uh, Hopefully, I will be as smooth when I do some of my guest radio booth work on and off throughout the season over there. So next week, the actual league season starts. So we'll be doing reports every single week and we'll be featuring a a match from there outside of our top 10, maybe doing it like a separate bonus match. But now let's get going on this week's episode. We're going to start off with March number one. For the first time in at least a couple of weeks and maybe a fair bit longer, we actually found a Friday match shiny enough to get our attention. Say hello to the Section Paga of 
Curacao, an island country in the Caribbean, not real far off the coast of South America, if memory serves. They are part of the CONCACAF Federation, though, not CONMEBOL, which is South America's. Uh, we claim them as our own, as we do a whole mess of the countries out in the Caribbean. Uh, the website that I like for ranking is called Kick Algorithms, puts this league as number 17 out of the 24 that they bother to. There are more. Some of them get so little international play that it's just hard to know how good they are in relations to other ones. In any case, this isn't one of the stronger ones, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a match worth paying attention to. Now, they're revamping everything as far as the international tournament scene in CONCACAF. It used to be that the professional teams from the Caribbean countries would go to the uh, Caribbean uh, shield, no, championship, and the amateur ones would go to the Caribbean Shield, two separate tournaments. All that is being redone. I don't think they have formally announced what the name of the new tournament is going to be or how it's going to be formatted, but I believe all the Caribbean nations are going to be involved in one great big thing. At least the winner of this league will get to go, obviously. Could be more. Now, as far as how their domestic league is set up, they have their first stage, or what I refer to in my mind as the regular season, and then the top six out of, I believe, those 10, they move on to the second Kaya, K-A-Y-A, or stage. And they play a single or a double round robin. That's what they are in right now. The top four teams will move on to the final stage that they call Kaya 4, since it will be four clubs. Now, the Kaya 6 is a single round robin. All the points that they earn to the regular season go by the wayside. They start over. And they're just two matches in. Matchup that we're going to look at is number B, Young Columbia versus number one, Young Holland. Very youthful names. Young Columbia, they lead by two on goal differential. Yes, they are tied on points, just about as tight as could be on goals for versus goals against. The two of them lead number three, Central Barber, by four points. So one of these two is going to win this particular stage. Both are pretty certain to advance, to be perfectly honest. Let's focus, as we always do, on the hosts first. Young Columbia, they are known as the Sharks. Uh, they got relegated back in 2018-19. Yes, uh, this island does have at least two leagues in their football association, and they just got re-promoted back here into the top flight. Uh, the club is named for the country that they are off the coast of, Colombia. And I was, I think I might have said it was a couple hundred miles. It's a little bit further, about 600, uh, 650 miles off the coast. Still not real far. They play out of a municipality called Boca Sami, which is in the district or region of Saint-Michel. Um, it's on the south-central coast of this country, and uh, it's just a few miles north of uh, Willemstad, which is the capital of the country. This one is a former uh, fishing village and was also known for its salt production. It's also known as being a big flamingo area, which is person who could uh, tell you where she here for this particular portion. We're not a big fan of, to be honest. They are beautiful birds, but I would not like to see them in anything but pictures because the smell is awful. They pee on themselves and nobody wins with that. Now, most of their economy is based on tourism. As far as the footy, they won the Netherland Antilles Championship. Yes, that's what they used to be known as or a part of a dozen different times. The last time was in 2000. Uh, they've won Curacao's top flight, uh, both back when it was sort of a regional league and then domestically as a top flight 12 different times. Last time was 2001. Uh, they played in the now CONCACAF Champions League 
a couple different times back in the 1960s through 90s. Their Halcyon days seem to be somewhat behind them. Uh, they made the round of four once. I'm not sure how deep that is, but it sounds pretty good to me. And then they made the Caribbean Football Union uh, Caribbean Championship quarterfinals in 2005. So they have had a little bit of success this century, albeit fairly early on. They finished the regular season this year in fourth place. And so they got to move on as all of the top six did. And by the way, that regular season is quite a bit longer and a fairer way to judge teams because it is a true double round robin. So let's take a look at their offensive and defensive stats to get a sense of who they are from the regular season. They only had the fifth best offense, very average at best, scoring one and a third goals per match. Defense was a little bit better. They were top three in that regard, giving up one goal per match. Good for the overall third goal differential. So it's no surprise that they got to move on and that they're going to get to move on into the Kaya 4 to end the season. This team's current form, they have won four straight matches with a very impressive 6-1 and one goal differential. And now Young Holland. They actually do play out of the capital city of Willemstad. And a uh, early happy birthday to them. They turn 100 next year. That's awesome. Uh, what's not so awesome is the crest, to be perfectly honest. Sometimes I, I don't really try to over, over critique these, but the crest looks really cool, nice and colorful, except that you have this very dark brown, very chocolate candy kind of milk looking football smack dab in the middle. Just awful. They should be able to do better, quite frankly. Uh, they won the Netherlands Antilles Championship once. That was back in 77. They have won the Curacao title nine times. Last time was 1999. They also won the 2020-2021 season. So very recent success. Uh, they have made three CONCACAF Champions League appearances, but kind of like the other team, you have to go back to uh, pretty far back for this team, the 70s and the 80s, to find those. They won the regular season by three points over Central Barber. In the regular season or first stage, they had the number one offense, scoring almost two per match, the number one defense as well, and the best goal differential by just a little bit uh, better than the next best team by a factor of two. So this is definitely your dominant team this year. Their current form, well, they lost the last match of the regular season 3-2 to two at Central Barber. No real shame there. But then they uh, won that Kaya, and they have won the first two matches in this stage, the Kaya 6. Match number B. And now we slide on into the heart of the weekend Saturday. And with match number B, never say yuck. Number two, if you can help it, join our revolution in getting rid of that bathroom talk. Number B is... The couth way to go. Listen to it in action. Match number B, see how easy that is, is our feature match from Major League Soccer this week. There's three to four matches to go in the season, depending on which teams you're looking at. You can catch the particular matchup we've chosen to look at at 9.30 in the evening on ESPN. That time is Eastern Standard, as they all will be when I mention them. Now, the Hudson River Derby and some other uh, really big matches are taking place that are closer to the top end of the table. The one we're going to look at, though, is going to be one that affects teams that are closer to or on the playoff line from each of the two conferences. A quick reminder for our newer listeners and people who are newer to following soccer. Major League Soccer is divided into two conferences, East and West. The top seven teams out of the 13 or 14 from each will make the playoffs. The winners of each, they will get to go on straight to the quarterfinals, the only ones who will get buys. Our feature matchup is number seven in the West, Real Salt Lake versus number six in the East, Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati currently lead number eight in the East Atlanta by three. Two steps down the ladder. That represents the team that's just out of the playoffs, of course. Meanwhile, RSL, they lead number eight LA Galaxy by the same number of points, three. They play in the tougher conference. They are hosting. We will chat about them first. RSL, they got new owners in January. I am only particularly excited about this if they decide to change the name. Because while it looks like real Salt Lake, it is in fact Real Salt Lake. Even though we have never had monarchy directly in this country since the War of Independence. Why the owner was so infatuated with naming it Real, we have no idea. But we don't think that any king or queen anywhere has ever bestowed their blessings upon this team all the way out west in Utah. Off my soapbox. This team has won one league title for which you must win the playoffs, not the regular season. Uh, and that was in 2009. Last year, Salt Lake, they finished number seven and they made it to the Western Conference Final. Had quite the playoff run. This year, boy, their offense, if they could shore this up, they would be certain to make the playoffs. But they're only 12th in that regard in the West. They only score 1.2 goals per match. The defense is what's keeping them afloat. They've got a top five D, but overall they've got a negative goal differential. They're only in ninth place in that regard. This is not a team that I am predicting. You might think it's my bias, and maybe it is a little bit. I don't think it's a team that's going to make the playoffs ultimately, quite frankly. He who might have something to say about that against me would be goalkeeper Zach McMath. He is the fourth best goalkeeper in all of Major League Soccer. If you're looking at clean sheets, the number of times he has allowed no goals, 10. Uh, he started his career making over 100 appearances with the far better Philadelphia Union. But I think the best player they have going overall is Jefferson Savarino. I love guys like this because I'm not terribly tall myself. He is Venezuelan, plays center forward. He's only five foot five. He's got six goals on the season, plus three assists. And in just 16 appearances, he only played like in two-thirds of the games. This is a guy who's uh, very good back in his home country. He's made appearances for the Venezuelan men's national team 26 times. He is a very good and accurate passer for somebody who plays center forward. And he's very adept at dribbling. So he doesn't just sit, wait to get passes, and hold up the ball to dish him off to somebody else. This is a guy who can start the attack, and that's a lot of fun to watch. Now, the guy who I think is their weak link is the guy who plays right in front of him, their striker from Guatemala, Rubio Rubin. Uh, they got This might tell you all you need to know. They got him on a free transfer. They didn't have to pay anything to second division in the U.S., San Diego Loyal from the USL Championship. Despite the fact that he plays right up front, he has no goals and no assists on the entire year. In fact, I saw one source that hinted that he might have gotten moved out, or maybe it's a rehab of some kind, I'm not sure, but to Real Monarchs, which is their uh, second division or reserve team. As far as this team's current form, they're just 0-1-2 in their last three with a 0-against-5-goal differential. They're pretty good at their home stadium. They started the year with a bunch of wins there. But Cincinnati is a uh, desperate and somewhat hot team uh, right on the playoff lines as well. Line as well, rather. They are known as the Lions. That's why I wanted to put the S on there, even though I didn't want to say it all. Because, of course, the Lions are our least favorite mascot ever because every other team in the world is named the Darn Lions. Somebody please be original. Their crest is a little bit weird. The lion has wings for some reason, which doesn't feel like a real thing. He's got a crown. Okay, that's fine. And then he's holding a sword. Pretty sure lions don't have um, opposable thumbs. So not sure what all they're really going for there. 
This is a team that has time to get it together, though. They've only been in Major League Soccer for a couple of seasons. They moved up from the second division USL Championship in 2019, and they have not had a good time of it. More often than not, they have been winning what is called unofficially as the Wooden Spoon, so basically the worst team in the conference or league. Last year, they did, in fact, finish in last place in the East. 2019 was the best they've done since they moved up. They were in 12th. Obviously, they still didn't make the playoffs. This year, they have managed to largely stay afloat because of the fact that they've been able to get a lot of draws. In the Eastern Conference, they are tied for having the most with a dozen of them. Statistically, uh, they're getting over one and three-quarter goals per match now. That's the number three offense in the East. Very impressive. The defense is still a little bit below average. They give up one and two-thirds, and uh, they are tied for fifth best in goal differential. I think this is a team that will sneak into the playoffs. Not sure I would predict them to be able to get a road win in their first round, no matter who they play. Tied for number five in league scoring with 16 goals on the year is one of their stars, Brandon Vasquez, forward, just 23 years old. Uh, despite the fact that he is from here in the U.S., he actually came up with uh, Tijuana down in Liga MX. Then he went over to Atlanta United, normally a very excellent team. Uh, he's repped at the, for the U.S. men's national team at various uh youth levels, but he has not gotten a senior team call up ever yet. He just signed a long-term deal, by the way, here with Cincinnati. Uh, But all that really tells me is that they might be trying to up his sales price. And uh, Shivas from Liga MX and Leeds from the Premier League have both been very interested in him. I expect him to finish out the season here since it's so close to the end, but I wonder if he'll be in Major League Soccer next year. Number one in league assists with 18, Luciano Acosta, their Argentinian attacking midfielder, who came up with one of the big teams down there, Boca Juniors. Uh, He's been in the U.S. a little while, spent the longest part of his career with D.C. United. They're not very good, and I'm sure he's happy not to be there. Their weak link, uh, look for them to get attacked on the right-hand side. Raymond Gaddis, their right back, has not been strong. Uh, He's made... uh, He's only gotten 14 clearances and interceptions put together in 28 appearances. Now, I've only been following soccer for a couple of years, but I can tell you that when you've got a guy playing in the heart of the defense, unless he is blocking every shot known to man, those are ghastly numbers. He will get attacked early and often. Uh, He spent 10 years with Philadelphia before he came over here this year, so it just might be that he's getting a little bit longer in the soccer tooth than his best years are behind him, quite frankly. That said, this team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last nine, just red hot. Match number three. Staying on Saturday, but let's get out of the dry desert heat from out west, the dog days of summer, and head to the cooler climes of northern Europe, specifically Finland, where they are about to have their FA Cup final. Quick reminder for our newer fans, a league is a league. You know what that is. A football association or FA Cup final is a bracketed tournament that almost always doesn't just involve teams from the top league, but several from several leagues going down the pyramid, as it were, to lower and lower leagues. Finland specifically allows the teams from eight different levels in their soccer pyramid to participate, and then an additional nearly three dozen from very localized leagues. They had over 300 teams participate this year, and that was a record number. What's at stake? Well, a berth in what's called the Europa Conference League. In Europe, the Champions League is where all the best teams from all the countries get to go. The secondary tournament is the Europa League, and then they've got one more that's brand new, that is the Europa Conference League. 
By the way, both your finalists for this are in, uh, they are part of the top league and it is ranked number 37 in all of Europe. Puts them right between Red Hot Liechtenstein of all places and Belarus. Your final, it is between the teams of KUPS and Inter Turku. KUPS, they are known as the Canaries. Love a mascot like that. Not as intimidating as a lion, but a lot rarer. And there's a lot of value for that for me, I think. Uh, they play out of a city I'm sure to mispronounce, uh, Kuopio, I'm going to pronounce it. It's in the east southeast part of the country, 120,000 people. And it is home to the Savo or Savonian people historically. And a fun little side note, we like to do a lot of learning about culture and geography on this show. The people there are known for their joke telling, but it's a specific kind of joke that's somewhat complex, sometimes somewhat abstract. And the intention is to give something uh, to the listener that they have to figure out or interpret. I love specificity like that when I stumble across it. As far as the footy, this team, they are your defending FA Cup champions. It was the first time they've won it in over 30 years. They're having a very strong league. Their top flight is the Vikausliga, and they are in second place. Uh, they're most of the way through their season, unlike most of Europe further south, where they're really just getting going. The northern European countries, they like to have everything done before fall gets too far in at all, obviously because of the coming cooler temperatures. Now, the regular season about to end. The top half of the league will enter the championship round. The lower half of the league will play a relegation round. That will only be five matches long. In that league, this team only trails historical powerhouse HJK by two points. But I've still got to think that as much as they might want to keep all their best players' energy saved up for that title race, it's a big deal to get to go to any European tournament when you're from one of these somewhat lesser leagues in Europe. I think they will play all of their starters and really go for it. And I know that they will have number four Haka rooting for them. If KUPS can win this, that means that they will at least get a Europa Conference League berth, and therefore that saves a berth for somebody else. It will go to the team that finishes the season in fourth place. Statistically in the league, a good measure of how they are overall. They've got a tied for third best offense, getting one and two-thirds gold per match. But the defense is where their bread is best buttered. They give up less than uh, 0.75 goals per match on average. Oddly enough, by the way, in the league, it's not the team that's in first place, HJK. It's actually number three, Honka, a name that I really like. That has the best goal differential in the league. Key player to look out for, they've got the second best league scorer with nine on the year in Tim uh, Virenen. He plays striker for them. Just to give you a little perspective on what the abilities of these players are like compared to some of the uh, other ones around Europe, most of his career he has played for lower division teams outside the top flight, the Bundesliga, in Germany. Teams like uh, Hansa, Ra Hansa Rostock and the reserve team for Dortmund. So uh, second and third division teams in a really big country like that. This team's current form, they're 3-1-0 in their last four, with a very low scoring four against one goal differential. And now enter Turku. Yes, Turku is in fact the name of the city. It's in the southwest part of the country, a little bit bigger than their opponents, 200,000. Uh, they are very much known for their gastronomy and specifically their canteen and cafe culture. And they are in fact, and quite uh, flatteringly, known as the Paris of Finland for this. They have won the FA Cup title twice. Last time was 2017-2018. Uh, 
Uh, currently, they're in fifth place in their league. They trail that um, team I mentioned just a bit ago, number three, Honka, by nine. The reason that's important, they're not going to climb up into the top four, almost certainly. This is a team that, if they want to go to European competition, has to win this FA Cup final. In league, they have a very good offense, uh, second best. Uh, they score close to two goals per match. Defense isn't much worse, number four. They only give up one and a quarter goals. Uh, that's puts them as having the number four overall goal differential. Key players to look for, top uh, top five in league scoring with seven on the air is Benjamin uh, Kaleman, but he no longer is there. So I said keep an eye on him, but I guess you can't. I'd forgotten about this note. Uh, after him having spent six and a half years here, he just got sold and moved on to a Polish team called Krakowia in the top flight there, the Extra Klasa. So who will they be leaning on? Top 10 league scorer with six on the season, uh, Petri Forsell. He's a really strong player. He's got 10 national team appearances there in Finland uh, between 2013 and 2019. Team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. Defense has been a little bit of a struggle, but they've got a 7-5 goal differential. It is worth noting, though, that those are all road matches, although this one is going to be for them as well. Match number four. More European Saturday FA Cup action, but this time we're headed to the greatest of them all, the English FA Cup, where they are in the second qualifying round. Now, the reason that everybody loves this tournament so much is because they invite teams from all the way down to the 10th level of the pyramid, full-on amateur leagues and clubs. And the great joy of watching this from early on is to see if any teams from these amateur or maybe semi-professional leagues can make deep runs, maybe even get through the qualifying rounds and into what they call the quote-unquote event proper. And that is where the Premier League teams have entered the fray. Right now they're at the second qualifying round, which is really the fourth qualifying round. They have two uh, that they start with that are called extra preliminary and preliminary. It's weird. I don't know why they won't count like regular people, but it's their tournament and we'd love it just the same. The second qualifying round is where teams from the sixth level now enter the competition. That is the highest level of league, by the way, that is not national in scope. Now, the team that we followed each of the first three qualifying rounds was Midhurst and Eastbourne. We decided to pick one from way down in the soccer pyramid and follow them until they lost. And they finally got their butts kicked two weeks ago. I think they lost by six goals to a seventh level team. So now we've adopted a new one, one that we think that has a chance, even though they're from a very low league for this event. Say hello to Ashington. They're going to be playing host to, I believe, a sixth level team called Bradford. Let's get to know Ashington. Our new adoptees, they are known as the Colliers, which has to do with coal mining. Now, Ashington, the town for which the club is, of course, named, is about 15 miles north of Newcastle-on-Tyne. Yes, Newcastle, as in the Premier League team from there. This is the team that is uh, the furthest north in the league from which they play, way up in northern England, where the real uh, regional dialect you may have heard of is uh, called Geordie. But Ashington is more rural, and I found a little fun geographical uh, linguistic note. In the rural areas, rather than Geordie, sometimes you run across peoples that still speak a dialect called Pitmatic, Pit being from uh, being a reference to coal pits. It's a coal mining term, as this area was once a center of coal industry, hence the fact that they're, of course, called the Colliers. The town maybe has 30,000 people. Not very big. It's basically a commuter town now for uh, Newcastle. 
Now, the league that they play in is called the Northern League, and they are in Division One, not the Premier League of it. Um, it is a level nine league, and it is the second oldest league or organization in the world after the English Football League, which is now the organization that controls the second, third, and fourth level leagues. Uh, this league covers all of Northeast England, and they've been in this one, haven't been promoted or relegated in or out of it since 2004, 2005. They were one of three giant killers from last round. And uh, most people refer to that as if, you, if you're on a club that beats a team that's from at least two levels up the pyramid, they call that a giant killing. They enter the competition at the preliminary round or essentially the second round. Last round, they beat a team called Ashton United, a seventh level team, hence the giant killer moniker, and they beat them 3-0. Now they got to host that, but that's still a really, really big deal. And they actually had to do it in a replay so a fun little side note about the FA Cup. When they get together and play, it's random who gets to host. They basically flip a coin for it. And if it gets played to a draw, then they'll play it again the following week, but at the other team's place. So they played to a nil-nil draw at Ashton, and then Ashington, our team, got the privilege of hosting the second time. They earned it and got the win. They made the third round of this event once all the way back in 1926-27. So this is the farthest they've ever gotten. Now, they did get all the way to the fifth round in a different cup-style tournament called the FA Vaz back in 2011-2012. It's an FA Cup for, or not a full-on FA Cup, but a cup-style tournament for teams that are just at the fifth and sixth level of the pyramid. And there are tournaments like that that are real specific to certain levels of leagues all over the place in England. As far as their recent league history, well, they finished in eighth place last year. Right now they're in fifth place, and they've got two to four matches on hand on everyone else. So who knows? This might be a team on the rise, and we might get to see them in a fully semi-professional capacity ne uh, next year. They're the only team that's undefeated right now. They've got the number one offense in their league, scoring over three goals per match. The defense is excellent as well. They're only one of two teams in the league that's giving up less than a goal per match on average. Second best overall goal differential. And uh, the number one goalkeeper in the league is theirs to speak of right now. Bishop Auckland is his name. And now, Bradford, let's get to know the enemy. Now, there's a club called Bradford City that plays in the fourth level in League Two. This is not them. Uh, this team, often to avoid confusion, has to go by Bradford Park Avenue. And you'll typically see uh, the Park Avenue portion listed parenthetically. Uh, this is a team uh, and city that is right next to Leeds in West Yorkshire in the north central part of the country. And yes, Leeds, the Premier League team. Uh, city's got about 366,000 uh, people. It's a really big uh, textile hub historically. It went through a really long period once things started to get imported from the far east in the world uh, economically. Uh, but now there's a lot of money getting pumped in again, and they're starting to use it as more of a commuter town. Another interesting side note, there's been a lot of racial tension and rioting in this area. If you've ever caught it on the world news for that not so great reason, uh, it's because of the tensions that happen between uh, the locals, as it were, or you know, English by birth people and then immigrants from uh, Bangladesh and Pakistan specifically. Now, footy-wise, the uh, team is known as the Green Army. This, strangely, despite the fact that there is no green on their crest. Go figure. England could be a strange place sometime. Uh, the crest is another one of those that I hate to pick on, but this is one of my least favorite. Whenever you get 
uh, a crest that is surrounded by animals. It looks like a coat of arms. They got one in each side. They've usually either got horses or goats. In this case, it looks like goats, and they look like they're about to get way too familiar with the main crest, just not a look I'm a fan of. Uh, this is a very, very old club. Uh, back in the 70s, it kind of went away, and then it came back after a few years. So this incarnation of the club has been existed since 1974, and they had to start all the way back in the unofficial 13th level. I don't think the FA really acknowledges anything past level 10 or 11. This team plays in a league called the National League North, one more level up, and they will get to play in the lowest Nash, uh, league that is national in scope, and that would be a really big deal for them. They're probably not going to get there. Last year, they finished in 18th place out of 22. Right now, they're off to an even worse start. They're the only winless team in their league. The problem, well, they got problems all over the place, but the offense is especially bad for that level. They're only getting a goal every other match on average. That's tied for worst in that league. And the defense is only a little bit better, to be honest. So this is a team that's really peaked at their level. But as poor as those stats sound, this is a team with semi-professional players probably. And so they still, even on the road, got to be your favorite for a match like this. Match number five. Most of the rest of our matches are going to be Sunday matches. This is a bit of an unusual episode in that everything is so weekend-centric. Usually you get a lot of FA Cup stuff that happens during the middle of the week or international tournaments. But virtually everything is going to be on the weekend this go-around. Sunday, our match number five, we come back home to the U.S. and switch over to the women's side of things. The NWSL is the top flight here for the gals. They've only got two to three matches left in the regular season. Quick reminder that they uh, don't have divisions. It is just the one league. The top six teams will make the playoffs. The top two will get to advance straight through to the semifinals. You've got red hot, fast rising number one Kansas City Current that we haven't talked about all year playing host to number B, Portland Thorns. Kansas City currently lead Portland by one in fairness. Fairness, rather, Portland do have a match in hand and are certainly going to be your favorite still to win the league. Now, Portland are also tied with San Diego on points in the table, but they also have a match in hand on them. Independent of having played one fewer game, I think it's safe to say this is going to be one of the greatest races in the world going on this year. Everything is so tight at the top. When the two played earlier this season in Oregon, it was Portland that got the win big time 3-0. As far as the series between these two, Portland have been undefeated, at least as of late, with a 4-1-0 record. You can see how this iteration is going to go on Paramount Plus at 5 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. Kansas City, the current first year they're being known by that name. Uh, Fun side note, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback in the NFL, his wife, Brittany, is one of the three owners, or at least one of the three main owners of this club. Last year, they finished in last, in 10th place. This year, I got to be honest, based on the stats, it's hard to see how they've been doing so well. Both their offense and their defense are below average. They only get one and a third goal per match. Uh, They give up more than that. They've got a negative goal differential. Based on that goal differential, they should be finishing close to eighth place. There's no relegation in this league, but if there were, looking at the stats, you might say that they were safe from it, but not by much. Gritty, gutty, nevertheless, here they are. Let's look at some key players. Uh, Top 10 scoring leaderboard with six on the season. They got a couple of gals, Kristen Hamilton and then Loal Labonta, 
who is a very new acquisition for them, came over from the uh, poorly performing Houston Dash this year. And then also CC Kaiser, who they picked up on the year. She has been excellent for them as well. Now, Labonta, however, plays midfield for them, is also on the league assist leaderboard with four. So I still think that she's going to be the most key player to their success. She came over from the Utah Royals with with whom this team, to say the very least, has a tight relationship. In some ways, they've kind of been the same team. I'll explain. Utah had a team, the Royals, in this league from 2018 through 20. But then their assets got transferred to new owners in Kansas City. Even stranger, the new owners actually have the right to take the club back to Utah if they want to in 2023. I'm hoping that the attendance there is high enough that they won't feel the need to do that. And if they think something can succeed in Utah, perhaps they can get their own expansion team once again. Now, back in 2017, Kansas City had an NWSL team that transferred its right to Utah. So they've already done this back and forth team once. Maybe they should just have one team between the two and split the home matches. Might drive up the attendance for both of the, you know, the home games were fewer in each uh, city and that, you know, became more of a treat for the fans. Anyway, Tim's current form, they just had a 13-match unbeaten streak snap. They got whooped at Chicago by the Red Stars uh, 4-0. Uh, but they started the regular season 0-1-3 and then have been absolutely en fuego up until that very last match. Nevertheless, I still say they are your league favorites. Portland, they have won the league title twice, most recently, 2017. Last year, they won the regular season, which means they won uh, what in most leagues is called the Supporters' Shield, but then they got ousted in the playoffs at the semifinals. They are the owners of the number one offense in the league. They're the only team that's scoring more than twice per match on average. Their top three defense to pair with that means they have the number one goal differential in the league by almost a factor of two, and that is such a key metric every single year, easily the reason that they are my favorites to win. Tied for second best in league scoring is Sophia Smith. She plays forward for them, just 22 years old. And yet she's almost got two dozen women's national team caps here in the U.S. already. Tied for second best in assists in the league with five, Yasmeen Ryan, midfielder for them, 23 years old. She played her college ball at one of my favorite colleges because I nearly went there, uh, Texas Christian. And then she spent a season at the WPSL level. I'm not sure that a lot of teams make the climb from those uh, lower leagues in the U.S. where they're semi-professional at most, up to Major League Soccer all that often. But here she is and doing uh, very, very well. And then they've got their established goalkeeper, number one in the league on green, in clean sheets in Bella Bixby, another one of my favorite players because she is a really outspoken advocate, specifically for pe- people on the uh, autism spectrum, as she identifies as one of those herself. Team's current form, well, they just beat Orlando on the road, nil three, and that snapped a two-match losing streak. So they were really starting to look like they were going to have some separation until a couple weeks ago. But... This is going to be a tough place maybe to get back on the right foot. Should be exciting. Whereas you simply hear plaintive mewling, perhaps I hear a kitten call for a recap of last week's matches. Let's give them what they are crying for. Match number one was a Saturday match from Major League Soccer. Number seven of the West Portland took on number five, Minnesota. Portland got the win 1-0. Santiago Moreno had the assist. We had said he was red hot and hey, a noob actually got it right. 
Portland, they moved up to number five. Minnesota fell just one notch down to number six. Match number B was to have been a mini preview from the Premier League in England of Manchester City versus Tottenham, but all matches were postponed because of the passing of the Queen. Match number three from Japan's J League One, where the most of the way through the season we had number three, Kawasaki Frontale, taking on number B, San Franke Hiroshima, and it was Kawasaki coming out on top and then some 4-0. Noobstradamus had relayed to us his prediction via a vision that he had transcribed by Person New White artistically. And uh, she had, uh, the two of them basically had given us a 2-0 win prediction, so that got doubled up on these two switched positions in the table. Sunday, match number four from the first league of Montenegro. We had number three, Yezero taking on number one, Budushnost Podgorica, and they played to a nil-nil draw, which hardly seemed fair, given how hard I had to work on how to pronounce them. Because the league is so tight and early on, that actually uh, made... Uh, uh, Budushnost fall down into second place, and uh, Yezero also dropped the notch to number four. Match number five, the last match from the Premier League of Fiji, where things were very dramatic. Number B, Rewa took on number one, Matoka. Congratulations to the champions, Rewa. They got the 1-0 win, so they won the league by one on goal differential, as it turned out, over Suva. Latoka, meanwhile, they dropped down to number three, and therefore out of the two Oceania Confederation Champions League berths. So sorry to see that. Match number six from Australia's FA Cup semifinal. Sydney United 58 took on A-Leaguers Brisbane War, and congratulations to the second tier, the State Leaguers of Sydney United 58. They have reached the final in a shootout. They won 3-2. They got the winning goal in the 105th minute. Tuesday, match number seven from the CONCACAF League, the quarterfinal, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Costa Rica, one of their big powers, Alajuelense, they came out on top 2-0 over Alianza of El Salvador to advance. Johan Venegas had the first and therefore game-winning goal. Match number eight from the Champions League group stage in Europe. Number four, last place in their group early on, Victoria Peels in played host to Inter Milan, and Inter Milan were rude guests coming away with a nil to win Thursday match number nine from the Europa League group stage. Number B in their group, Monaco, took on number three from Hungary, Ferenc Varos. And it was Ferenc Varos getting the nil one win. Very impressive. Uh, Udama Traore had the assist. Impressive of us to say that she needed to look out for him, perhaps. Match number 10 from the Europa Conference League group stage. It was Jurgarden from Sweden taking on Molde from Norway. And Jurgarden, another shootout. They went three to two. All the matches up to this point in that group have been nil-nil draws, and then you get a shootout. For Molde, one guy that was said to look for, Emil Raven. He got the what looked like equalizing goal moderately late in the game, but then Jurgarden got the game winner dramatically in the 91st minute. And then your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Tuesday's round of the week that you voted for was from Vietnam's V-League. Number 13, last place Saigon took on number one Hanoi. So much for it being a route. They played to a 1-1 draw, no change in the table. The most meaningless match in the world was from Major League Soccer. Number 10 in East Atlanta took on number 11 Toronto. Biggest shootout of the week. 
it was Atlanta winning 4-2. to two. Players we said to look out for as being the most average or meaningless on their teams. Atlanta's uh, Matthias Rosetto did not play. I'm starting to think that he might be now with the reserve team, actually, for Atlanta. And then Toronto's Jaden Nelson, he didn't have a uh, very meaningless match. He had the worst game of any starter. Yikes. Toronto dropped down to number 13, by the way. Atlanta holds steady at number 10. And then your match of disappointed Sunday. They match from Russia's Premier League. They may be suspended, but they're still playing. Number 16 Euro and number 15 Torpedo Moscow, uh, they might as well just not be playing. That's why they're in the match of disappointment. They're very bad, but Euro was, a, Euro was a little as bad this time. They came away with a home 2 0 win, and so they switched places in the table. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back to tracking next week's matches with. Match number six. Trade tables locked in an upright position. Back to Europe we go for a dandy of a match from Serie A, the top flight in Italy, which is the number four ranked league in all of UEFA. So they get pretty much the maximum number of European competition berths. Four teams will get to start in the Champions League. One will get to go to the Europa League and one to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup, number three, AC Milan, taking on number one currently, Napoli. The two of them are separated by just three points of goal differential. It is Atalanta that is in between, so they all have the same number of points earned in the table here relatively early, admittedly, in uh, the majority of the European season. You can catch this on ESPN Plus, 2.45 Eastern Time on Sunday. AC Milan, they are known as Il Diavolo, the devil. That's really specific, you know, singular. Uh, it's intimidating to me anyway. Uh, they are, I didn't realize, owned in large part by an American group. Redbird Capital of New York City uh, has two-thirds of the ownership. This team has won 19 league titles, second most in Italian history, and they are your defending champions. They've also won the Champions League seven different times. That's got to be amongst the league leader, or not league, but leaders in the world. Last time was 2006-2007. They're currently participating in the Champions League and very early in the group stage or event proper. They are 1-1-0 and leading their group of four. In league play, they have got the second best offense going so far this year, exactly two per match. And uh, the defense is a fair bit better than average. They're just tied for number five in that regard, but they're only giving up one goal per match. So that's really darn good. On the scoring leaderboard for them with three on the year is Olivier uh, Giroud. He is their French 35-year-old striker. Spent the heart of his career with uh, perhaps our second favorite Premier League team here uh, at Team Noob, which is Arsenal. This guy, he is big, physical, and he has always been kind of underrated on his goal scoring prowess for some reason. And by the way, we also have a USA connection, not just in the ownership, but player-wise. Sergio Dest plays fullback for them, defender. He's just 21 years old. He actually got signed by Barcelona, even bigger team, if you can believe it, over in La Liga. But he's been on loan here for the last week and change. They want him to see him get some more playing time at his young age. And he's a little bit more likely to play on a regular basis in Italy than Spain. He's also earned 17 U.S. men's national team uh, caps since 2019. 
As far as his playing style, you watch this. Look for a guy who has pace. Means he he may not be uh, fast, but he gets up to his top speed very quickly and maintains it for a while while dribbling. He can also center himself in the offensive part of the field and hold the ball. Doesn't get dispossessed easily. And that means that he can also start attacks very, very well. And now Napoli. One of their nicknames is one of my favorite because I'm an old English major. They are known as the... uh, Parthenopians is one of the nicknames. Now, I, I don't know how to say it for sure, embarrassingly, but Parthenope or Parthenope, she was one of the sirens from Homer's Odyssey. Uh, the team, by the way, is also known as the Donkeys, which isn't <laughs> isn't quite as literary. Somebody, uh, a bunch of people started calling them uh, that once after a poor performance many decades ago, and they decided to uh, adopt it as their own. This is one of the top 20 teams, at least as of a year ago, I saw uh, for for UEFA ratings for all the clubs around the continent. The team, they've won the league title twice, but not since 1989-90 season. That is a long drought for a team that, quite frankly, at least in the brief years that I've been following the league, is right at or near the top, typically speaking. They won what is now known as the Europa League, the secondary international club tournament in Europe, back in 1988-1989. They right now are also, of course, in the Champions League because they won the league last year. They, too, lead their group and have a 2-0-0 record. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. That's how they qualified. This year, number one offense working, and they're one of just uh, two or three teams that is giving up less than a goal per match on average. Key player to look for. Uh, you don't see too many players at the top leagues from this country. The Republic of Georgia, tied for second best in scoring with four on the season, is uh, he goes by a single moniker of Kavara, and I am thankful for that because I saw his full name, and good Lord would be a mouthful for my Western time. He is a winger for them, is just 21 years old, and talk about having a lot to live up to. He is known there as the Georgian Maradona. Wow. Match number seven. And joining us to help introduce match number seven is once again, Person Noob. Hello. Hello, daughter mine. And why is it that you were going to help with this particular one? Because um, my dad's um, parents' ancestors were from this place. Yeah. And what's the name of it? The Czech Republic. That's right. When I was your age, it was known as Czechoslovakia, but now they are two different countries. I'm actually not sure if your grandpa's ancestry runs to uh, the, what is now the Czech Republic or if it's Slovakia, but I think it is the former. So we kind of like to follow this league a little bit extra. Where are they ranked in all of Europe? Um, 13. That's pretty high. That's a little higher than I thought it was going to be, to be perfectly honest. And that is up three from a year ago. What countries are they in between there in the rankings? Norway and Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland, you was a top 10. Switzerland? Switzerland was a top 10 league when I first started following it. They've only gone down a little bit. And Norway, normally the northern countries are, are kind of weak, but Norway's way up there. So the Czech Republic is up there. It's a pretty rarefied air right now. Now, um, They're going to get one team. Their champion will get to go to the CL, that is Champions League. And then how many teams do they get to go to the Europa Europa Conference League? Two. And they will get to start in the second qualifying round. You want to try saying the two names of the uh, teams? One of them is going to be a little bit hard. Number Um, B. Victoria Pison and Slavia Prague. 
Yeah, that's pretty close. Uh, they need to buy. We need to buy a vowel for them there. That that I is actually an L, believe it or not. It's Pilsen or Pilsen, and then uh, Slavia Prague. Pleasant. Prague is the name of the capital of the country. Mm-hmm. Although I think they might say it different there, that because they spell it without mm-hmm. a G, they spell it with an H in there. Now, thank you very much for helping introduce the league, if you don't mind. uh, And you can still contribute as we go if you want. But I will now take care of some of the rest of the mini preview. How does that sound? Do you think you want to root for either of these two teams in in particular, just based on their name? No. No? I kind of like Pilsen because that's where Pilsener beer first started getting made. And I like Pilsners. I'm trying to figure out how you said Pilsen. Pleasant? Yeah, yeah, P L Z E N, but uh, in in Pleasant. English they use a little bit different alphabet there, I believe, but it's pronounced uh, Pilsen or Pilsen is how I've seen and heard it. The two teams are actually tied in the table. They've gotten the same number of points from their wins and their ties. Slavia Prague have scored a lot more. They're ahead by 17 in that in that metric goal differential, and they've played one less game than uh, than Pilsen. So really, they're kind of your number one team in a way. And in any case, uh, the, or they are number one. It's Peelson that are in second place. And Peelson, they lead a team called, you want to try this one? Sloven Lebrek. Yeah, that's as close as I Lebrek. can come. They're ahead of both of them by five. So I was relatively early in the, the season there. It's looking like it's going to be a two-team race for that one Champions League berth. That's such a big deal. Now, uh, Victoria Peelson, they are the only undefeated team in the league. They are named after the city of the same name, Pielsen, which is in the uh, west part, west central part of the country, about 170,000. Uh, six league titles they've won, all of them since 2010-2011. So they are your rising power, and they are, in fact, your defending champion. Uh, they've been to the Champions League group stage once before, and they are now there once again this year, although they've lost both of their first two matches. They're in a very tough group of four. Uh, the best they've ever done internationally or tied for the best they've ever done is in 2017-18, they made the Europa League round of 16. They actually got past the group stage. This year in league play, they are tied for second best on offense. How many goals per game are they getting? Two. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot compared to some sports, does it? But that's a lot in soccer. Mm. Yeah. If you're averaging two per game, that's a really big deal. And uh, they're also tied for number one on defense and have uh, the second best overall goal differential. They are tied for the team, uh, tied rather for the team leading goals with three is their striker, Thomas Chori. And then another guy, you want to try this name since I did the first one? John Mosquera. Yeah, and it's spelled J H O N, but that's not a typo. That's really how he spells it. Kind of cool. I guess that's how they do it sometimes down in Colombia. He is a left winger from there. This team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three. But the two losses were against uh, Inter Milan and Barcelona in the Champions League, two of the better teams on the entire planet, quite frankly. But now, in truth, your league favorites, even though they are not the defending champs and Victoria Pilsen is, we look at Slavia Prague. They are the second most successful domestic club uh, since the country gained independence in 1993. The number one team, actually, all time is not Victoria Pielsen, even though they've been very good the last 10 years. It's actually another team from the capital, Sparta Prague, that is the very, very best. Last year, this team finished in second place. This year, they have uh, dropped down. They're in the Europa Conference League, and they are 1-1-0 in their group. If they can actually be the team that wins that tournament, they will automatically at least get to play in the Europa League next year. That would be a big deal. 
They've won the league title seven times in a row, and in fact, they were your three-time defending champions until last year. 2020-2021 season, they made the Europa League quarterfinals. That's the best they've ever done in any tournament internationally. They have been to the Champions League group stage once before. What season was that in, Person Noob? Um, 2019 to 2020. Yes. They've got the number one offense in the league this year. Look at how many goals they're scoring. Remember when I said two was a lot? They're almost scoring how many per game? That's insane. Now, you might see that in some little tiny leagues like out in Oceania or somewhere, but for that to be happening in a European league, that is insane. I wonder if they'll be able to keep that up. And they're not sacrificing defense for it. They're tied for number one in that regard. They've got the best goal differential by more than uh, three times as much as anybody else. They're getting a lot of those goals from number one league scorer Stanislav uh, Takel, he plays forward for them. Interestingly, he actually played for Victoria Pielsen just a few years ago. And then uh, same thing with their goalkeeper. He started his crew with uh, Victoria Pielsen. Maybe Pielsen should hang on to some of these guys. Uh, he's got three clean sheets on the year already, and that is Alesh Mandu. Uh, the team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight, although it is worth noting that they did have some trouble with a team from a very small country, Kosovo, a club called Balkani in the Europa Conference League. They had to come back to beat them 3-2, to two. so maybe they're slowing down just a little bit. Match number eight. The European version of the Champions League may be off, as well as their other international tournaments, but we did find some CL action somewhere else in the world, Africa specifically. The qualifying rounds have just gotten started. They are in the first qualifying round of two qualifying rounds, and here they are in the second leg or game of their home and away two-legged tie. Each pair of teams, they play two matches each. You add the scores together to see who gets to advance. Now, the top 12 countries all get to send their two best teams. Everybody else, and it's about the same number of countries as in Europe, uh, about between 50 and 55, they get to send just one team each, their league champions. Only the top five rated teams in all of Africa get a bye even out of the first qualifying round. The five best start of the second qualifying round. Nobody just gets to start in the group stage, and I really like that. The matchup that looked most intriguing to us here at Team Noob was all Hilal out of Sudan. I'm specific with that because it seems like every other country in that part of the world has an all Hilal. And then St. George, or Georgius Cadus, out of Ethiopia. It was St. George that won the first leg 2-1, to one, but now they will have to travel on the road to see if they can make it stand up. And that's all you're going to get out of us for this particular match, because match number eight is roughly where we always stop for a big old culture break. And what we mean by culture typically here is food. And this episode is no exception. We are going to look at the national dish of Sudan unofficially called, I'll spell it first, F-U-L and then M-E-D-A-M-E-S. I believe it is best pronounced full madamas. Even though it's got that E, it's more of a moo sound. In any case, this is a food that you, if you're familiar with cuisine from the Middle East or Northern Africa that you may already be familiar with. I think it's got Egyptian origins first and foremost, but still very much the national dish of a country like Sudan. It's a vegetarian dish. Here are the ingredients you're going to need to make, uh, need to have if you want to make. You can use other beans, but to be most traditional, you want to have fava beans and you want to keep those dry. Uh, you'll want to keep some uh, salt on hand, you do that to taste, as well as uh, cumin, 
and uh, diced tomatoes, diced red onions. And this is the part where we start to get really specific to Sudan's way of doing it. They like to add a half cup of feta cheese crumbled into this. And then they also use rich man's uh, spinach, arugula, baby arugula specifically. And then uh, somewhat unique, if that's a phrase that I could use, hard boiled eggs. You wanna get some really big ones in there and sesame oil. Here's how you're gonna make it. You're gonna soak those dry fava beans in water for at least eight hours. Just leave them overnight and then drain them. Get out your big pot, add in the soaked fava beans, cover it, uh, and then cover it all with water. Bring it to a boil first, then reduce it for a simmer. Your overall cooking time, uh, particularly on the simmering, is gonna be two hours. You want those beans to get nice and soft. And then put those into a bowl along with some broth. Mash the beans up into that broth using a potato masher if you've got one. Or if you want to be really traditional, get a glass Coke bottle. That's the way that they do it in traditional households in Sudan. And then you add in your salt and your cumin to taste. Put the beans in your serving bowl with some of the tomatoes on top, your cheese, your arugula, onions, then top all of that with sesame oil and be sure to serve it up with warm flatbread. And again, I always like to look for the authenticity. No matter whether you're left or right-handed, for some reason it is very, very traditional to scoop the stuff up with your right hand. Now, another way to make this that is also particularly popular in Sudan, and I don't know if you eat it with a fork or if you still eat it with your hands, but to actually get the flatbread right in there and mix the pieces around in there, and I guess you pick them out maybe more like nachos. What's really fun is you can serve the leftover toppings that you added on. Uh, you can serve them by themselves, uh, particularly along with the hard-boiled eggs. And what you do with those leftover toppings to make it slightly different is you add a Sudanese hot sauce called shata, which I would tell you more about. Uh, the first recipe I saw was chili-based, other have been jalapeno-based. Shata, it, you can make it so many different ways that it's almost like the Indian version of curry where the name starts to lose its meaning. But I hope you've been intrigued by the recipe, have enjoyed some of the traditional music that we found uh, from the capital region of Sudan, and that you might be interested enough to try this yourself someday. Match number nine. What do you say we finish off our weekend? at least till we get to the bonus matches, by visiting one more federation. Head off to Asia for Thailand's League One, which is the number 12 ranked league in all of the AFC. I'm a little bit confused based on some of the things I found. One source said that they only send their champion to the Champions League, and that is it. Nobody goes to the AFC Cup, the secondary Asian tournament. But it's possible that they might send another team to the Champions League playoff round and then additionally, a team to the AFC Cup. Now, provisionally, according to a page I found about the AFC, it indicates that they could send two teams to the Champions League and two to the AFC Cup. In fact, they sent four teams last year. So suffice it to say, the higher that you finish, the better a chance you have of going somewhere for international play. Now, this league is very early in its season. Not all of the teams of the league have even played five matches, which is usually the minimum standard for us as we look for, quote-unquote, high-stakes matches. But the teams that are at the top of the table have all played five, and the teams that are below that, even if they had played and won somehow magically all of them, none of them would be caught up with these other ones. So we're willing to take a look at it. 
Your matchup, number one, Bangkok United taking on number three, Ratchaburi. Now, this is what's a number one versus number B game when I scouted it, but things have changed, and there's now a three-way tie at the top. They are only all separated by goal differential, just like over in Italy. Currently, Bangkok United lead Ratchaburi by five on goal differential, and it is Chiangre United that are in between. Now, let's take a look at our hosts first. Bangkok United, they are known as the Angels, founded in 1988, which I think is somewhat of an older club for this particular league. Uh, They have an alliance or partnership with FC Tokyo over in Japan's League One, especially regarding academy player development. I've seen that with a couple of different clubs in recent weeks with Tokyo. I really think that they're trying to build up their academy system. They play at a place called Tamsat Stadium, which holds 25,000 people. They have one league title. They won it in 2006. Three times they've been to the Champions League. Uh, Best appearance they ever had. They made the group stage in 2007. 2019 was their most recent appearance, but they went out in the preliminary round or the second preliminary round. League play. Last year, they finished in third place. This year, they're undefeated so far, 4-1-0, and even more impressive, an 11 against nil goal differential. By the way, those 11 goals, that offense is just second best in the league, believe it or not. I thought that would be the best. Time for number three in league scoring for them with four already is the singularly named Heberi from Brazil, 34 years old forward. You see a lot of that with uh, particularly the Southeast Asian countries and oftentimes in the Middle East where a player very early in his career, I guess they'll just determine or someone will determine for them what their level is and they don't move on from it all that often. This guy's been in Southeast Asia basically his entire career. Interesting side note on him, a different country for which he has never played and has no connection to. In 2015, the nation of Timor-Leste, they declared him and uh, about a dozen other Brazilian athletes national team eligible for some reason, even though none of them had any connection to the country, not even playing there. Uh, The AFC, the Asian Football Confederation, they quickly put the kibosh on that and said no. I don't know how they thought they were going to be able to get away with it. Uh, by the way, really good goalkeeper for them. Uh, one of the best in the league, Michael Falksgaard. He is from Denmark and has repped a little bit for the Philippines national team, where I believe it's his mother is from. And now Ratchaburi. They play out of Huai Fei, which is in the Ratchaburi province, for which, of course, the club is named. It's in the west central part of the country. Uh, if you can imagine, if you know what the country looks like, the, the southwestern portion of the country is a really long north-south Uh, I'll call it a tail, and they are at the very northern part where that sort of tail begins. The whole province only has about 900,000 people. Even though it's not that big a country geographically, they are broken up into dozens and dozens of provinces. None of them are particularly large. Uh, the, The province is known as the City of Jars, which... I didn't find any explanation for that. Uh, But interestingly, as far as the geography, it is crisscrossed by all sorts of clongs or canals. So if you're there, it's going to feel a little Venice-like. You're going to be getting along uh, quite a bit on uh, canal-type boats. The club is known as the Dragons, and they were founded in 2004. They've never won the league title. In fact, the only AFC competition that they've ever played in, they made uh, the Champions League uh, last year. 
They finished last in the group stage, but they did get two draws, so it wasn't a complete disaster. Nice first appearance for them. Last year in the league, they finished in 12th place, so they are not getting to play in any kind of international competition currently. This team is also undefeated, 4-1-0. and uh, The offense is okay, but the defense is really where they're getting it done. They only give a, up uh, one goal per average, uh, one goal per game for their average, and they have the number three overall goal differential. On the scoring leaderboard for them, even though it's not the team's overall strong suit with three on the season, is Durley. Yes, and most of the time when it's one name, you can guess correctly that it is somebody from Brazil. Forward, 34 years old. This is a guy who has played in Europe. He was with Benfica for three years over in Portugal, one of their big clubs in the mid-2010s. But to be honest, he didn't make a ton of appearances for them. Uh, part of the reason for that, is he was loaned quite a bit to a Turkish club and then a club that was in existence called Chiapas, uh, they were in Liga MX, so a bit of a connection here closer to home. Tied for number one in assists with three on the year is Jack Smith. That's not really his name. His name is Jackafan or Yakafan. I'll just spell the last name, goodness, K-A-E-W-P-R-O-M. Uh, even anglicized, that's really tough. K-U-Prom? I don't even know. I do know he plays midfielder. He's another veteran, 34 years old. Nevertheless, he has still maintained his speed, and because of that, he is able to track very well on defense. He is excellent in that regard. Team's current form, they just dropped their first points of the season. They were undefeated until they got a 1-1 draw at home. They must have just fallen asleep for this one. Number 14, a club called Police Tayro. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Normally new bites, you get Mondays off, and you really deserved it after a big weekend of tracking like that. But our only match of this entire episode is, in fact, a Monday match. It's going to keep us close to home. Mexico is where we're headed to the Liga MX Femenil, the women's side of things once again, where they are in the Apertura or opening stage. A little reminder for newer fans of the sport, a lot of Spanish-speaking countries in the Western Hemisphere they divide their season into two separate seasons or stages in which they play a big single round robin, the Apertura and the Clausura. They give away different trophies. They declare two champions per year. They're very separate. This league is incredibly young. It was founded only five years ago. There are 18 teams currently. The top eight will make the playoffs. They're almost halfway, or no, I'm sorry, they're over halfway, almost two-thirds of the way through the Apertura. So things are getting really high stakes, especially for number one, CD Guadalajara Chivas versus number B UANL Tigres. Currently, Guadalajara lead the Tigres by two in the table, and then Tigres in turn they lead number three Monterey by two. Two teams that are certainly going to the playoffs. The real question is going to be seeding. Let's talk about uh, Guadalajara first. They are known as the Goats. That's the translation for Chivas. I knew that, but a new one that I found. They are also known as Rebaño Sagrado. Person newbie, you have any idea what that might stand for? Nope. Rebaño means flock, and sagrado means sacred. The second word sounds a little bit more like what it means in English, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. She's giving us a nod as she's heading off to a birthday party. We'll have to do without her for the remainder of the show, except for in pre-recorded form. Anyway, a little peek into how the sausage gets made there and the life of 10-year-old person noob. She's got a party hearty. I don't even know what I mean by that. 
Now, uh, Guadalajara is the major metro area. They actually play out of the suburb or town within that metro of Zapopan. This is in the west central part of the country. The overall metro has about uh, one and a half million people. Side note, something fun I found. They have a really interesting social program there called uh, Recreactiva. The first of the A's is capitalized, just to give you an idea what it looks like. Uh, there, are th- there are three of the major routes that crisscross this town. They don't completely shut them down, but they very much restrict the motor traffic that goes through on any of those on Sundays. And then people get to use them for social or recreational purposes. My guess is you have the equivalent of block parties or things like that. It's just that it happens to be on these really major thoroughfares. So they have lots of room. Kind of cool. I'd never heard of anything like that before. Funny wise. 2021-22 Clausura, the last completed stage. Uh, They finished in second place in the regular season, and then they won the playoffs. So they are your defending champions. 2017-18, they finished third in the regular season and also won the playoffs. This stage, they have the third best offense going, scoring almost two and a half per match. Second best defense, only giving up a goal every other match on average. Talk about dominant. And yet somehow that's only good as being the second best goal differential. On the scoring leaderboard, leading the way for them with six on the year netted is Carolina Haramio. She plays attacking midfielder for them. And she has made five national team appearances for them since 2019. Team's current form, their only loss of the regular season right now was three matches ago. And now UANL, even though uh, the club as a whole is known as Tigres, the uh, the females are also known as the Amazons. And they play in Monterey, which is in the northeast part of the country, one of the safest and most livable cities in all of Mexico. Just love it. Metro of about four and a half million people. This team has won the league title four times. Now remember how young this league is. There are only four teams that have ever won the title at all. And this is the team, as you would guess, that has won it the most times. 2021-22 Clausura, they finished third in the regular season and then went out in the playoff semifinals. They've got the number one offense going right now, three goals per match and change, and then the number one defense as well. So they, uh, I, said, I said that uh, Guadalajara was dominant. This team, they just run away with things for the most part. They've got the number one score in the league right now, only one in double digits with 10, Mia Fischel. She is from the USA, 21 years old is all. Team's current form, they started the season 0-1-1, and then they have won every match ever since. I think they're going to be able to get done on the road, even against a quality opponent like Guadalajara. Bring forth the bonus matches! And we will remain weekend heavy with these because all of the matches that you voted for are Sunday affairs. Voted, you say, Soccer Noob? Why, yes, in case you're new to the show, please know that you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA. You can engage with me in person, Noob, there, however you wish. But specifically, we hope that you will choose to vote in our bonus match polls. I put up those polls at the beginning of every single week, give you candidate matches for these three very unique games. So you vote. Glorious content gets made. It's dreamy. The first one is a first versus last place matchup from some league in the world that we call the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. 
And for the only time this episode, we're headed to a league that is not part of the top flight in its country. We're headed to Germany, but for a match out of the second Bundesliga, the second tier of football there in Germany. Now, out of this league, two teams will automatically get promoted to the first Bundesliga, the top flight. And then the third place team will get a chance to play the third worst team from the Bundesliga for the right to play in the top flight next year. On the other end of things, two teams will get automatically relegated. And then the third worst team will have to fight for their second Bundesliga lives by playing the third place team from the third division. Yeah, things get really, really crazy. There are eight to nine matches into the season, depending on which club you're looking at here. And your matchup, the worst team is the host, number 18, Gruther Firth. They are playing number one, uh, Paderborn. Now, I got a little bit confused at first when I went to review uh, my notes right before broadcasting because I was like, Gruther Firth, I thought that they got relegated. How are they still in the Bundesliga? And then I noticed, oh, it is the second Bundesliga. They finished in last place last year, and they're in last place even now that they've been knocked down a league. Talk about a team that could get routed. Anyway, let's look at the table. Now, uh, Paderborn there at the top, and they lead second place Hamburger SV by just one point. Meanwhile, Gruther Firth, they trailed number 15, Jan Regensburg FC, by four points. And I chose the number 15 team because that is the one that represents true safety. If they could get that high, they would not even have to play in a relegation playoff match. The historical series between these two, at least in recent years, uh, Gruther Firth have actually had the best of it with an 8-4-1 and one record. So the dominant team between them. And we will talk about Gruther Firth first. Try saying that fast 10 times, or better still, don't, and then just keep enjoying the show. They play out of the town of Firth. It is in the Bavarian region, or central part of the country, city of about 130,000. Uh, known more recently uh, for having companies all related to solar tech there, but more traditionally, this is known as the big toy-making capital of Germany. Pretty cool. They're known as the Clover Leaves. Again, as I mentioned last year, they finished in last place in the top flight Bundesliga. 2013-14 and then last year were actually the only two teams in their entire incredibly long, like 100-year-plus history that they've gotten to play in the top flight. They've won three German national championship titles, but notice that I don't say Bundesliga. They won those three back before Bundesliga was a thing. 1914 through 1929 is when they won those. This year, they are the only winless team in the league. They are tied for the most on draw, so they have picked up a few points. They have four. Uh, offense is a little bit better than their defense. They get 1.2 goals per match, but they've got one of the worst defenses, unfortunately. For them, they give up two goals per game. The best player they probably have going is Branimir Hergoda. He is from Sweden, plays central forward for them. Three goals and one assist he has on the season. He's got some top-flight experience besides with this team. He actually spent four years uh, with Borussia M. Gladbach, which is a pretty average team over in Germany, Germany. rather. And then he was also loaned from there to a team that, at least of late, has been somewhat better, Eintracht Frankfurt. This guy is a very accurate shooter, good tackler, very good crosser, just a very well-balanced player. I'm surprised they don't play him maybe a little bit further back at midfield, in fact. 
And we have a player USA connection in Julian Green plays attacking midfielder for them. Uh, he's it's no surprise that he's over in Germany. His mother is German, and while he was born in the U.S., he actually moved over there when he was two years old. Uh, he's repped for both the USA and Germany at the youth level. And then he has made some appearances for the senior U.S. men's national team. In fact, in the 2014 World Cup, he became the youngest ever scorer at the time to score for the United States. He came up with Bayern Munich. This will be interesting if he can make his way all the way there someday. He didn't make any senior appearances for them, but he did play with their reserve team some. He's been with this club since 2018 after coming here first on loan from Stuttgart. Team's current form, well, two matches ago, uh, they got a point against number 11 St. Pauli, one of those draws. So it's uh, not been great the last couple of weeks for them, as it hasn't been most of the season, of course. And now Paderborn. They play out of the region in the west central part of the country called North Rhine-Westphalia, city of about 150,000. Fun note. Largest computer museum in the world is here. I think a large part of the reason for that is that Siemens bought a really big uh, computer-related company, and they are the big employer in this uh, fairly small city. They played in the top flight, the first Bundesliga, in 2013-14, and I believe that might have been the only time. At the very least, it's the only time in recent history. Last year, they played in this league and finished in seventh place. This year, they are Dominant on offense by a lot compared to everybody else. They're getting three goals per match. They also only give up one. So they've got the top goal differential by over a factor of two. Uh, they've got the number one scorer in this league. He's netted six already, and that is Felix Platt. He came up with uh, Division One side Schalke 04, but he didn't make very many apps, uh, appearances for them. And he repped a little bit for Germany at the uh, national team youth levels. Team's current form, they are 6-1-0 across all competitions in their last seven. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yes, indeed. What other podcast has the heart to shine a spotlight on two perfectly middling teams from some league in the world where they are equidistant from the glory of international births and the danger that is the relegation zone? Welcome to the most meaningless match in the world, another Sunday match from Slovenia this time, where the top flight translates to the first league in English. It is the 31st ranked league in UEFA, so pretty meaningless or average in that regard as well. As such, they only get the minimum number of European competition births every year. They will send uh, their champion to uh, the Champions League, of course, and they will have to start in the first qualifying round. And then the two teams that they send to the Europa Conference League will have to start equally far back. On the other end of things, uh, one team will get relegated. One team will have to fight for their top flight lives in a relegation playout match. And none of that probably means a thing to these two teams. There are 10 teams in this league. They play a quadruple round robin, and they are nine matches into the season. Number seven, uh, I've seen this before and I've still never found a pronunciation of it. R-A-D-O-M-L-J-E. I'm going to pronounce it uh, Radomali. I'm not sure about that J. I know it's either soft or silent. Anyway, they're playing host at number six, Maribor, which as you'll find out is a team I'm already familiar with. And uh, you should be too if you follow football from this part of the world because they're normally very good. Uh, Radomali, they lead number nine, NK Bravo, by three in the table. 
And then meanwhile, uh, Maribor, they trail number three, the last team that would get an international team berth, Coper by four. Series between these two has been all Maribor, 12-3-1 record. And yet when they played earlier this season, it was uh, Radomali that won nil three. We will talk about them first. And by the way, happy 50th birthday to them this year, to the Millers, that is their nickname. Uh, the city is in the north central part of the country, maybe only has about 2,000 people there. But it's not way out in the hinterlands for this country. It's actually just a couple of miles from uh, Domzale, uh, which is a city of 14,000. And if that name is familiar, yes, they also have a top flight club in this league named directly after the main city of Domzale. 2014-15 season was their first time ever in Division I. Uh, they did get relegated, and then they came back a couple of years ago after winning the second division. Uh, they only started playing even that high, the second division, a decade ago. Usually they've been much lower. Last year they finished in sixth place, so pretty meaningless then as well. This year, the offense, yuck, to be perfectly honest. They're number seven in that regard. They only get one goal per match. The defense isn't a ton better either. And overall, that puts them tied for ninth place in goal differential. I think this is a team more likely to move down than up, if anything. They've only got two players, I believe, that have scored multiple goals for the team, two each. Uh, those players are Nadim Hadzic out of Bosnia and Herzegovina, 23-year-old attacker, and Sandy uh, Nuanovic, a midfielder, also 23. Team's current form, well, they started 2-1-0, and very good, and then they have been very bad since then, 0-3-3, but yeah, average it together. Voila, meaningless. And now Maribor, usually a merry a very meaningful team because they are the most successful soccer club in the nation's history. They rank, in fact, just outside the top 100 in UEFA, and that's a pretty that's a pretty good deal for a team from this small of a country. They've won the league title domestically 16 times. They're your defending champions. Uh, they're currently in the Champions League or played in the Champions League, and they won their first qualifying round match before losing in the next round. And then they uh, dropped out of the Europa League and then the Europa Conference League, uh, losing right away in both those tournaments. Twice they've made the Champions League, 2014-15, was the most recent time they got all the way to the event proper, the group stage. And in fact, they're the only Slovenian club in history to get that far. What are they doing down this far? That's just unreal. Um, well, the problem is the defense. They give up one and three quarters goals per match, very unlike them. Normally, even if they're uh, slacking a little bit in that regard, the offense can make up for it, but they're only barely average in that regard, getting one and a three goals per match. They're the team also tied for number nine in goal differential. I don't think either of these teams, unless, unless Maribor have been just injury uh, ridden this year and somehow recover from it. I think both of these times are, uh, teams are more likely to slide down the table than up. But let's look at some key players on the scoring leaderboard with three on the season for them. Two players, Rocco Batarina. He is their striker from Croatia. He played for, I don't know if the league is a ton better, but I know the team is. He played for Verenc Varos over in Hungary, and that is the only team of any consequence over in Hungary. They're very good. And then also with uh, three goals on the year, Marco Bozic. He is from Austria, attacking midfielder. Now, give you a little bit of perspective. He didn't play for them a ton, but this is a guy who the best club he's probably played for was over in Italy and not even in the top flight. He played for Serie B's, one of their better teams, admittedly, uh, Frozenone. 
Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 and oh in their last three with a 4-2 and two goal differential. So maybe they're showing signs of just a little bit of life over there, finally. Now, though, it is time for match number 13, the third of the bonus matches, appropriately with a number like that. This is not a couple of good teams. It's not even like the most meaningless match with a couple of mediocre ones. No. Welcome to the fresh hell that is the match of... Disappointed! One more time on a Sunday, one more time in Europe. This time we head to the Premier League of... Azerbaijan, just a little bit below average of a league in Europe. They're ranked number 29. That's down three from a year ago. They get one Champions League berth. And then there are two Europa Conference League team berths. By virtue of the fact that it's almost an average league, they will get to start in the second qualifying round. Doesn't matter. These two teams ain't getting a sniff that we're going to be talking about. Uh, One team may or may not be getting relegated. I found conflicting sources on this. I hope that one of these teams get relegated because they are putrid. It might be early in the season, but not too early to say so. All these clubs are five to seven matches in. This is a league that has 10 teams in it, and they play a quadruple round robin. Your matchup, number 10, last place, uh, Kapaz, taking on number nine, Shamaki. Both of them are winless. Uh, they're not the only two stinky teams in this league. Number eight, Sunkayat. They have only scored one goal on the season, and they are also winless. I don't know how they're not in the bottom two. I guess they've probably gotten a nil, couple of nil-nil draws. In any case, Shimaki, they lead Kapaz by two and trail number eight, Sumkayat, by one in the table. The recent series between these two, uh, Shimaki have won nine and drawn on six out of the last 18. So they have been the better team by far. Kapaz, they are known as the Mountaineers. And the undefeatable Armada. Now, this is not a team that borders any kind of major body of water. Unfortunately for me, I'd love to make fun of them for it, but it turned out I looked up Armada, and it doesn't always have to mean anything maritime related. And there are mountains on the crest, so the Mountaineers works better. They play out of the city of uh, Ganza, G-A-N-J-A. I know I'm mispronouncing it. It's kind of between a J sound and uh, a softer sound, almost like a ZH. Anyway, it is the third biggest city in the country. And then Kapaz is the lar- is one of the large districts in the city, and they have roughly half the city's population in it. Oddly enough, for being so bad, I don't know what the deal is, they might have the best attendance in the league. I saw a stat back from 2015 and 16 that said they were getting three times as many people to attend as anybody else in the country. Just unreal. There must be nothing else to do in that town. They've won the three. Uh, they've won the league title three times, but the last time they hoisted the trophy was 1988-1999. Hey, just like the Chicago Cubs, anybody can have a bad century or at least a bad long start to one. They are 0-0-6 on the year, haven't even managed a draw. Uh, they've got the number eight offense, only getting two-thirds of a goal on average. The defense somehow is even more awful. They are the worst by far in that regard, giving up almost three goals a match. This is a team that, if there is relegation, are going down. They've got the worst goal differential by over 50%. Now, the only good thing I can find to say about them, I want to show a little bit of kindness, is two matches ago, somehow, they only lost at home 0-1 to League Perennial Power Carabag. So, you get a golf clap for that. Let's talk about Shimaki now. 
if we must. Uh, they're in the east-northeast part of the country, town of the same name of well over 30,000. Uh, this is famous for a couple of cultural things. Uh, first of all, I'll mention the rugs. Uh, they're called Shimaki rugs, apparently very famous. I wasn't familiar with them, uh, but they're Iranian uh, historically. And then uh, this is an area, this country, I spent a lot of time kind of bouncing back and forth, basically, between part of being part of the Persian or Iranian uh, empire or country and then part of Russia. So these rugs, uh, they largely have an Iranian traditional motif called a buta, which means uh, that it shows either a droplet or a flame shape all over the rugs. And then the other thing they're famous for culturally is the Shamaki dancers, in other parts of the world, they are, I think, known as Waitifa would be the equivalent. In any case, they are dancers that danced both for their own country's royals and they sort of uh, toured with entourages of royals and got to perform for other royalty abroad. Kind of cool. Now, if you follow soccer for this part of the world somewhat, but you're not familiar with this team name at all, don't worry about it. Up until this year, the past several years, they were known as Keshla. And then up until 2017, they were actually known as Inter-Baku. Now, Baku, I believe, is the capital of the country, yet I didn't see anything that indicated that they actually moved. So maybe they're somewhat close to the uh, capital geographically still. Anyway, let's get back on the field. They've won the league title twice, believe it or not. And one of them was well within this century, 2009-2010. They won one game ever in the handful of times they ever went to the Europa League. They actually have a winning, or uh, the Champions League, they actually have a winning record historically with several different Europa League appearances. They went to the Europa Conference League in its first year, two years ago, and they went 0-0-2. Last year, you would have been more likely to find them in a most meaningless match uh, entry on this particular show as they finished in seventh place. This year, they are also winless, but at least they've managed a couple of draws. They're not quite as terrible as their host today. They have got the second-to-worst offense goal, only scoring a goal every other match on average. Defense is almost as bad. They give up almost two goals per game. Uh, the one player worth mentioning that was any good at all might be Emil Yuninov. He is their lone uh, multi-goal scorer on the year so far, and he started the season, or started his career, I should say, with a somewhat better club, a slightly above-average team in Kabbalah. Now, this all said, unlike what, how we might treat any other teams on this particular show, here at the end, we like to shoo them away in our traditional fashion. Get thee gone. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. Yeah, that's really how we end it each and every week. This has been episode 101 of Soccer Noob, Rocket America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much, as always, to he who is known as the management for all of his production and editing wizardry, to Dan the Interno Inferno for everything that he does for our show, to my daughter nearest, person new, Mwah, love you so much. Thank you for being willing to help out with the show, as you always do. You are, in fact, the star. People tell me that most each and every time. It seems like they get the chance. And thank you to you for listening. We know you have a lot of choices. We really endeavor to bring you something unique, both in terms of a little bit of the humor and certainly with the type of soccer that we are covering around the world. We hope that you will pass on our name to your footy-minded friends if you think they would like it as well. Until we can do it again in a few days, I hope you'll have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. <laughs>